Ted Kitchens, the executive director of Manchester Boston Regional Airport, joining us out of the gate, no pun intended. Busy time right now with Massachusetts Maine Vacation Week, and then next week, New Hampshire, a lot of people heading south. Good morning, Ted. Hey, good morning, Jack. Great to be with you. Well, thank you. And Always I like the pleasure. pun. What's <laughs> That's that? a good one. I liked your pun. That was good. Uh, start out of the gate, yeah. All right, so yeah. we're busy, busy time right now, correct? Yeah, in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, as, as you mentioned, we got you know winter break going on, and flights are going out you know, very full to all of our destinations. But you know, the the news this week obviously is that we've got you know, two new destinations and a new airline that we just announced uh, yesterday that's joining uh, the airport. Well, tell us about that. So uh, our new uh, destination, one of our two new destinations, is uh, Avellos, adding uh, starting May tenth. Uh, uh, two daily flights to Greenville, South Carolina, which is one of the top and uh, up-and-coming food des- uh, destinations. It's a wonderful uh, destination with a very live and active downtown. They have something going on downtown practically every night of the year. Um, they've got a jazz festival that's free, uh, jazz festival going on early June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of things to do down there. A lot of people, I think, in, in New Hampshire will find kindred spirits there in upstate South Carolina. Um, it's very much like uh, New Hampshire in the sense you have the mountains in the, uh, nearby. Greenville was a textile town that's reinvented its downtown, similar to Manchester. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities there. And then the, our newest destination we announced this yesterday is nonstop flights to Minneapolis-St. Uh, Paul on our newest airline, which is Sun Country Airlines, uh, which will start in uh, August. Wow, some big stuff happening. Yes, yes. So you can go, all you Prince fans can go out to Paisley Park <laughs> yeah, or uh, <laughs> uh, go visit, you know, beautiful Minneapolis-St. Paul. They, they've got a lot of great lakes up there, obviously, you know, ten, in the land of 10,000 lakes, right? But, but, you know, um, yeah. we, we, we have our fair share, too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, in your line of work, and you're one of the best at it, I think, in the country, Ted Kitchens, Manchester, Boston Regional Airport, the, the, I think the, the challenge is, is getting new carriers to come in, keep the carriers you have, you know, promote and talk about these new routes. Uh, yep. That new, you know, the, the stuff you're doing now yep. to North Carolina, South Carolina, that's going to be a big addition for you because everything a lot of this up until now seems like it's been heavy towards all the Florida destinations. It, it is, yep. And, and there are these other tourist destinations that are certainly popping up. And there, there's actually a demographic movement. I don't know if we've talked about this in the past called the halfback movement where people move from New England down to Florida and they move halfway back up the coast to the Carolinas because of, you know, they, they they may not just like the, the the climate in Florida, or it may just be too crowded, or whatever it may be. So they or they miss the four seasons, and you obviously get the four seasons there in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and, and uh, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee right. area that that middle part of the country. Um, you know, so a lot of those those secondary home purchases, as we're calling them, mm-hmm. are now becoming tertiary home purchases where people now move back up the coast. So they may still have a New England uh, route in them, but uh, it, it's just one step removed because they, they made a stop in Florida for a few years. Um, so, you know, we're, we're starting to see that a little bit more. But then, you know, you look at Minnesota. I mean, if, it, if people want to get away for the summertime to somewhere else, that is obviously right. wide open spaces, a lot of yeah. natural beauty associated with it. You can do that and not have to go down into the heat in, in the south. So uh, there's there's a great destination there now. So you're absolutely right. It, it is getting the airlines and then keeping them is another thing. And that is all up to the community buying and supporting the airline service that we bring. 
so despite all the new stuff, I imagine all the Florida stuff this week with Maine and Mass vacation, next week New Hampshire are, are pretty busy. These flights got to be pretty oh, yeah. busy pushing oh, yeah. out, pushing out oh, yeah, to Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all of our we're we're probably ninety four, ninety five percent full uh, on our flights uh, right. for the past four or five days. Yep. Great stuff. So all our flights are going really well. Awesome, awesome. This is a tremendous update. Uh, Ted Kitchens, Manchester, Boston Regional Airport. More carriers, more destinations. That's good stuff. Thank you, Ted. And a lot better than going down to Boston. Yeah, a lot better than going to Logan. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's get out there and explore, people. All right. Thanks, Ted. Thanks. Bye-bye. Get out and explore. All right. Well, someone who's exploring on the presidential side of things, Mike Dennehy, one of our regular contributors, political analysts and all-stars. Quick update. Looking ahead just a few days, Michael, South Carolina, and I don't know why... New Hampshire seemed to kind of like uh, a little bit of elasticity. It was getting, it would, you would get kind of feeling like Trump was had a big lead in New Hampshire. Then it felt like it was tightening, and then it felt like it opened up a little bit and ended up being right about eleven or twelve points over Nikki Haley. South Carolina feels like it might be bigger Trump. I don't know, but you're the expert, Michael. What do you see in a few days? <laughs> well, I, I'll just remind uh, your listeners once again, Jack, that you were the one who called the New Hampshire race right on the money at twelve points. Um, Luck. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a blowout in South Carolina. It, it, and listen, all, all we all we needed for evidence is the fact that Nikki Haley held a press conference yesterday to tell people she's not dropping out of the race. That was the purpose of her press conference. And, and that's all you need to know. Uh, it, she is getting trounced by Trump and she has no message anymore. She has no purpose to her campaign she had to have a press conference reminding the press that she's still running. It, it's a bad, bad situation for Nikki Haley right now. It, it, but it just seemed, because to her credit, she made it a two-person race. It just seems that <laughs> Trump is going to be impossible to defeat for this Republican nomination. Yes, he is. He is. And, you know, he'll obviously get the, all the delegates in South Carolina. She, she says she'll continue through Super Tuesday. He's going to get the lion's share of the delegates on Super Tuesday. And then, uh, and then he will probably have enough to win the nomination. Uh, so, uh, Jack, we talked about it before. I honestly and truly do not understand why she's staying in this race, because, as you said and noted, she has... She was the surviving, the, the last survivor against Donald Trump, and there's a, she deserves a lot of credit for that. But she's now just damaging herself for the future unless she is really setting herself up to run as a third party against Trump and Biden this year. Well, do you think, that, what, what are the chances of that? Well, I, I, can't, I can't find another reason as to why she continues this, this effort this losing effort. There, she has no chance. She's her her numbers with Republicans are tanking every day. So yeah. what else could it be? Well, I think up until now, her donors, not the supporters, but the big donors, are telling her, "Hey, just hang in there." And you made it a two person race. You never know. There's time between now and the summer. I think. But now that that's, I think that that cell is sort of running thinner. It is. Yeah, I totally agree. The donors are absolutely encouraging her to run. But, but she has to know. I mean, she sees the polling. She knows that her numbers with Republicans are dropping by the day. And, and, and as a Republican, that must be difficult to see unless she has another agenda that we don't fully understand. Yeah. Interesting. All right, Michael, I know we have to run. Um, and, you know, it takes a moment. Take a moment because Peter Spaulding passed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was such an interesting, I think, member of the public fray in terms of different roles he played um, and, and, and always nice, 
um, perhaps a tad eccentric at times, but always a nice yeah. person. And you're, I think you're headed to his service. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. He really, he was quite, quite an interesting, wonderful person, amazing heart that uh, I, I don't think a lot of people knew his heart. But, um, but he was a character. You know, I, I give him that. He, he, a great character. And there's been so many stories, people posting on my Facebook page about what, you know, what they've done for him and that they, you know, they were looking for his help. Uh, and and he went above and beyond to help them because that's the kind of guy he was. And he loved politics. He loved public service. And he really uh, gave his entire career to it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for heading to that. Michael Dennehy. Dennehy Boulay, uh, one of our political analysts and all-stars. Make it a good one, Michael. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. I'm happy to say and humble to say the show's gone national. Our streaming metrics are really exploding each week. It's amazing how many people are not only listening in the Manchester, Boston hub here and up in the Maine, but nationally across the country, thousands, especially in the 9 to 11 hours across the country and around. Hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play the pulse of an H. Fun stuff. All right, uh, and that's, of course, on any desktop, Android, iPhone, hey, Alexa, hey, Google, any smart device. John Decker, own White House correspondent. John, we just had one of our local political analysts on talking about South Carolina, Nikki Haley, uh, and Donald Trump coming up in a few days. It, it, unlike New Hampshire, where the race felt like it was tightening a little bit, of course, Haley had Governor Sununu's endorsement, but it, the Trump had the Trump lead going into New Hampshire. Some polls had it at 18, you know, near 20 percent, ended up being less than that, but still a double-digit win. The South Carolina, according to Dennehy, I don't know what you think, feels like it really is even probably stronger for Trump, ironically, Nikki Haley's home state. Uh, so take it away, John. Well, that's right. Uh, and yesterday she indicated uh, in a press event that she is staying in the race for uh, the foreseeable future, uh, that she's not going to quit the race uh, after South Carolina. She's going to continue on through Super Tuesday, potentially accumulating delegates for the Republican National Convention. But I've seen what you've seen, Jack, and that is uh, every poll indicates an average of about 30-plus points that Donald Trump is leading Nikki Haley by in South Carolina. Uh, we'll see if she can cut into that. Early voting has begun there. And I think the message that she delivered yesterday was also a message to voters uh, who may be on the fence, and she wanted to send a message to them, you're not wasting your vote. If you vote for me, I'm going to remain in this race uh, until I don't have any money anymore. And as long as she has money, she'll continue on in this race. But, you know, John, as Mike Dennehy said, John Decker, our own White House correspondent nationally, John Decker, um, as Dennehy said a couple days before a race, having a press conference saying, hey, I'm not pulling out, I'm staying in this thing. It's a little bit like a, a golf championship, you know, before you, you know, before you get out there for the first tee, you say, hey, you know what, if I don't play well and, I'm, and I and I get drubbed out there, I'm not, I'm not pulling out this weekend. It's, it was kind of a tough optic there to, you know, to do. And it's awkward. Oh, it must be frustrating because yeah, that's, that's her home state. That's her home turf. Yeah, and I think back to the 2016 election cycle, Marco Rubio, U.S. Senator at the time, uh, he lost by double digits to Donald Trump in his home state when uh, for the Florida primary. And uh, shortly thereafter, he dropped out of the race entirely for the Republican nomination. We'll see if that happens with Nikki Haley as well. All right, John Decker, thank you. Make it a good Wednesday. You too. Bye, Jack. Bob Jackman, LaValle Middleton Building Supply, with locations across our listening region, streaming region, streaming region as well, and our network of news talk stations. Bob? 
Good morning. Always enjoy the conversations. And today we're gonna you're gonna kind of walk us through what packaging, what a package means for your customers. I am, and the uh, as I listened into the show this morning, and pretty much every show for every morning now, it's all political in nature. And as soon as I start hearing that, my mind goes to inflation. Yep. It's a big problem. I don't care what anyone tells you. You go to the supermarket. You go to the uh, fuel oil uh, deliveries. Everything costs more. Yep. So Lavalle's maybe 50, 55 years ago came up with an idea called a package. And a package is very simple once you understand that it is all of the material needs for a project and that it may include some manufacturing, and that's specified by you, the customer, and we guarantee that product, which is a, a whole project, for one price. People say, well, how can you do that? Well, we've got to be good at what we do. Right. You got to know what's going to go into that house, right, or that garage. And it also, knows, and it also for for the customer, me, the customer, the client, it it reduces surprises, right? The last thing any of us like, um, you know, I, I was with my brother in law last week, and they're doing, um, you know, kind of a a new camp home in the North Country of Maine, and. Every day he was dealing with a different surprise from the builder. You know, what you didn't tell me that. Uh, you, how much is this? And, you, you know, so when you do the packaging, you kind of bundle it together. Uh, it, it reduces that anxiety of, hey, I'm not going to get surprised or shocked here. And that's absolutely right. You, you've got a, a given going into the project is that you're going to pay one price for the materials. Now, everybody understands we sell garages and we sell a boatload of garages, and we put the concrete, the erection labor, and the materials into one package and say, here's your price for that building, and we guarantee enough materials. Of course, if we're doing the labor, um, we have crews. They do not work for Lavalle's, but they're local contractors. They do a lot of work for Lavalle's, and they know exactly how we want that building built. So people say two, there's two reactions to a package. One, your price is too high. Well, the price is too high because we included absolutely everything. All of the surprises that you're going to have along the way with a regular job have already been accounted for. And, and the other thing we get from a package is how can you do that? Well, if you sign a package today, Chances are you're going to break ground in 30 days or so. And so you're going to need the windows and doors maybe 45 days or 60 days from now. That gives us an opportunity to buy the materials as we preach to all of our customers. Mm -hmm. Buy the materials when the price is right for you and the situation is perfect for you. Well, by signing a package, you're allowing us to do that. In normal times, all of our vendors really have price increases once in the spring. In the last five years, nobody knows when price increases are coming. Right. They right. could be, yep, every month, every two months. Metal roofing, for instance. 
had an incredible run of price changes. Sure. Bob, so, how do you, how do you how do you insulate yourselves and your customers on the packaging concept? If it's a pretty good sized project, you lock it all in. You kind of you know do this, but it might take a little bit of time before it begins. And sometimes those prices fluctuate by the time you know a deal closes and then the actual work begins. So how do you insulate? You know, price changes if it takes thirty days to get going on a project, or something may have changed during that. Is that you guys? You factor that in as well? Yes. As soon as pen hits paper, and the contract is signed, then the purchasing group, and there is a group that purchases especially commodities for the entire chain of the Valley Middleton stores, and that purchasing group knows right away that they have that need, and it's coming up. So whatever they're buying, they know they have to include the materials for this project, this project, and this project. Interesting. And are there, are there jobs that are too small to be packaged, or it's usually the bigger jobs with more moving pieces? Like if someone went to you for some new doors, new windows, and a roof, is that kind of an example of a packaging deal? Give us an example of what, what, what justifies or constitutes you know, a package deal. Well, I can tell you the perfect example is a garage. Because you're starting from scratch and you're finishing with a building that's up. Uh, we don't do electricity. If we did, I mean, we could do it. But what we're going to do is wind up marking up the electrician's price to us so that we can sell it to you. And that is not in the best interest of the customer. Mm-hmm. A garage, a shed, uh, those are the type of things people can understand easily. Homes, it's interesting because when you go to the modular divisions, uh, people understand that they're buying everything for one price. Right. But if you're piece parting it, you know, you're putting it together at the job site, even if it's prefab walls and trusses and that, they still have a hard time wrapping their head around, wait a minute, how can I have one price for everything? How do you know everything that's going to go into the house? Uh, and in, in a lot of cases, there's a couple areas where we don't know, mm-hmm. but we want you thinking about it. For instance, a kitchen and flooring. Both of those things, we tend to try to get an idea of where you're going to go for kitchen designs, what you want for countertops, and then we put in a number. Right. might be 20,000, 30,000, whatever it is. It goes into that package. So you have that much money to spend at an Ada Valley Milton location for your kitchen or your flooring. If you go over that, then you know you're going to pay the extra. If you go under that, then that's a credit to the package. Right. Now, what about, Bob, you mentioned garages. Popular thing. People might want to put in a one- or two-car garage. Do you also um, handle the any excavation needs or just the structure bringing in and putting it in? We try to stay out of the excavation needs simply because of that markup again. You're yeah. taking a subcontractor. And then we've got to mark up his work, which is not the best deal for you. So we say, here's what we want for a site. And we give you a sheet that tells you we want one foot deep of uh, stone. And we tell you the size of the stone. And all the excavators understand it. And it's got to be level and square. And you should stake it out where you want the garage. And then we come in and we put it up. Uh, on a rare occasion, we will hook one to a house. Mm-hmm. We don't typically consider that the biggest and best forte because there are enough variables. 
so that uh, the package, you, you've got to be real careful there. You may not want to do that. You may want to do the garage as a package and then let the builder, hire the builder to make the connector. Mm, good stuff. Great stuff. If people want to learn more on the packaging, contact, go into a location, talk with your people, always good in person as well as online. Online, if you want to see examples of garages and sheds, perfect place to look. There's a gallery of pictures and everything. But if you want to gather information and you want to find out what your options are, there is no substitute for visiting one of the locations and talking with a project specialist. Can we get a picture of you online, too, if we go on and look at the garages? You know, I had somebody tell me a few years ago that they loved hearing me on the radio, and I have the face for radio. <laughs> Bob Jackman, Valley Middleton Building Supply. Great stuff, Bob. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. And Chester, VA, and for all veterans in our region in New Hampshire, Kevin Forrest, the Executive Director, with an uh, update on the facility side of things. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jack. It is a sunny, nice day out there, so thanks for that intro. Well, uh, we always like to hear an update from you, and I talked before about the last few weeks, heard about increased transportation services, um, some of the portals that are available for veterans to go and use. And so we have, I know you have your facilities, Chief. I'm going to let you run with this. All right. So, no, you know, certainly uh, we're very busy here on the facilities front, as everybody knows, with the, uh, you know, age of our facility. But, you know, since November of, uh, uh, you know, 14 months ago, you know, we've had uh, Kent Everhart, our chief of facility services, working very hard to uh, to rebuild the inside of our operating room suite, uh, you know, after that catastrophic pipe break there and uh, just does such a, a, a wonderful job. And so, uh, you know, knocking that thing down to the studs to make sure that, uh, you know, we're not at risk for having those types of things happen again. So I'm happy to turn it over to Kent here to give uh, all our veterans an update. Great. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Um, the, uh, I guess the big news now is we're moving back from Concord. Uh, we've had our ambulatory surgery center in Concord for the last several months, which really allowed us to catch up on some of our, our procedures up there. Um, but as of last Friday, we, start, uh, we started seeing our pain patients on site. Uh, we did start our move for the remainder of the people that were at, uh, at Concord. So as of next week, we'll be seeing our first GI and surgery patients again on site. So we're really happy to be restoring those services here. And I know all the people that uh, work in that department are really happy to be home. And, and explain a little bit, um, Kent, more a little bit about what that involves. How many veterans, what kind of service, just elaborate a hair on that. Well, so we have our pain clinic, which is very important to a lot of our um, veteran population. It's actually one of our busier clinics. Um, they you know, they do a lot of pain treatments for you know spine and spine pain and uh, and such. A lot of veteran-related pain, uh, I guess, uh, pathologies. Um, we, our GI is one of our larger services, and um, so it looks like uh, we do over 2,000 procedures wow. per year uh, with, with that, um, and that's a great preventative program we have here. We're um, really good to be bringing that back to the, uh, to the facility. Yeah, because, you know, that, just preventative health care and all that. Well, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, what would, um, what uh, Kevin, as far as, you know, that, that's an achievement, what, what other um, satellite services are still out there that are not, principally down at Manchester. I know in Tilton you've been doing some stuff. To, to, to walk us through the region a little bit. 
So, you know, we have our four community-based outpatient clinics in Conway, Tilton, Summersworth, and Portsmouth. And, you know, we continue to try to bring our specialty care that's available here in Manchester, Jack, out to those locations so that veterans don't have to travel as far and, and offer those procedures on site. So things like podiatry and pulmonology, and, you know, we have a new uh, gynecologist on, on staff in the past month, and, and really just making it easier for veterans to get that that specialty care all right and what other any other updates on the facility side of things kent yeah we got a, a few good things in the in the works um really excited that we'll be breaking ground on our new women's health facility this spring um that's that's a big we, big one long time in coming there so we'll have a nice addition there uh, to facilitate that uh, uh we're also going to be doing some uh, demolition of some outbuildings um which will also facilitate the award um for construction for our audiology and um, optometry edition, which will be going kind of on the other side of the uh, women's health clinic. So a couple of really nice additions coming. Um, also doing our uh, finishing up our lab relocation um, mm-hmm. uh, design and hopefully awarding that soon. Um, and um, meanwhile, we're doing all sorts of things to make the facility a little more comfortable for everybody. So a lot of the stuff people don't see. Let's go back and talk about, because you just mentioned it, and I want to slow it down a little bit, Kevin, and talk a little bit about the expanded women's coverage uh, because I think part of the generational challenge, at least I find this in my radio show, Kevin, you and I have talked about this, is reaching out to veterans, letting them know what's available, letting them know, you know, to check something out or their caregivers because sometimes veterans aren't really good at asking for, you know, any kind of assistance. They think that someone else should get it before them. And I would imagine generationally it's a challenge because you have some veterans coming back uh, that are younger, and then you have some, you know, Korean War, uh, Vietnam veteran era, or Gulf, you know, all ages. But but women, more and more women now serving in the military. Talk about the expanded services there. How do you reach more female vets? What's the message to them? And just walk us through some of the the, the services and what you're what you're moving to increase uh, on the campus there, Kent. Well, Jack. You know, our women veteran population is the fastest growing veteran population here in New Hampshire, so we want to make sure that we can accommodate all of their health care needs. We have uh, a Dr. Martinez Adorno, and we'll get her on the, on the show here coming up, um, you know, a gynecologist, um, you know, with long history in New Hampshire. That's a welcome addition to our uh, women's health staff. In fact, we had a, uh, a town hall last week with over 200 women veterans that, uh, that participated asking all kinds of great questions on the services that she provides and it's uh, just wonderful that we'll be able to do that not only in a, our, our new facility uh, that, that we'll be breaking ground on but even in our new operating room you know that, that'll be up and running here in awesome. another week so just just a, a wonderful addition to our staff here and Kevin just you know I know you have numbers I'm not going to pin you down but each year let's just say you know 2023 how many veterans did your services and facilities everything sort of touch or see during the year how many new hampshire veterans i know you always have a number roughly well you know we always we have about thirty thousand veterans enrolled to the manchester va and you know we do a couple hundred thousand appointments and wow. over a couple thousand procedures so it's 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 very busy and and we continue to try to expand services to, to meet the needs and do you see the number of more of, of, of female vets um, sort of retiring or now in our population that can benefit from the VA? Is that number going up? 
It, it is, Jack, and, and they certainly can benefit. And so, you know, to our women veterans out there, you know, please, um, you know, spread the word that we're here to serve serve veterans. And, and we've got, you know, a new unique facility that we're going to break ground on to, to meet, uh, you know, the needs of our women veterans in, in, you know, a private location that works well for them. So uh, we're really excited about uh, just expanding services here at the Manchester VA. All right, good stuff. Well, thank you both. Uh, any final thoughts, Ken or, or Kevin, best way for people to learn more and, and in terms of what's coming up? Well, a couple uh, couple key points here, Jack. So um, uh, in addition to Ken working on all those things to get the main facility up and running, we've got a couple uh, open houses and uh, ribbon cuttings coming up. So on the 27th of March, we're opening up our new MRI suite, an ultrasound suite with the latest uh, uh, technology for radiology, and we're going to open that up to patients with the latest and greatest. And then on the uh, 5th of April, we have our whole health wellness center down at the uh, Brady Sullivan Tower on Elm Street here, and boy, I, I mean, for veterans to be able to uh, avail themselves of that facility and get whole health coaching, and you know, I want to say that the gym and the the group rooms, everything down there, it looks like the Patriots locker room. I mean, it is a top notch facility for our veterans. So one, I saw that one down. Repeat that last part of how they can take advantage of that. So, you know, calling us and, uh, and, and speaking to their pr- uh, primary care provider about whole health options, but we, uh, we have just a wonderful gym set up with, you know, weights and group rooms and yoga and tai chi, all those, you know, alternative medicine modalities there that our pain management services use in just uh, a beautiful location. I'm really excited to open this up on the, uh, on the 5th of April. Well, let's, we'll talk more before then. I want to get, you know, drill down a little more on that because you sound excited. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Kent, Manchester, VA. All right, great. Thanks, Jack. Joe Matarisi, who's chairman of Medicus um, Healthcare, Medicus Health uh, down in Wyndham, pretty very good-sized company that helps hospitals get a hold of doctors around the country. But Joe's a healthcare expert. He's he's hosted symposiums. He's been on the show before. He's had healthcare symposiums, very much thinks out of the box. And uh, he shared some uh, communications with me recently when we were looking back at a lot of the stuff on COVID vaccinations what did we learn? What did we learn about the federal response, the local response? And uh, is it in the rearview mirror? Can it happen again? And uh, he's got some great updates. And we're going to start with uh, Joe Matarisi joining us live. Good morning, Hampshire, the Pulse of an Inch. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Jack. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Well, you're a numbers person. You look at the data. And uh, I, I've talked to my show as recently last week on the majority, more than majority, almost 80 or 90 percent of all Americans eligible for the COVID booster this past fall uh, did not get it. They chose not to get it. And young children, the number is even higher. And uh, you've looked at some of the vaccination data in the rearview mirror now that we've had some time. Can you open our eyes and give us some insight? Absolutely. You know, um, it's really unfortunate that three years after the fact, um, we're coming to this conclusion. And I'm glad I'm happy Americans are are starting to wake up to this reality. And to your point, you know, over 90% of the people haven't got the full government schedule. And at this point, you would be almost 10 boosters. But uh, there was a recent study, actually, CDC-funded study. It took nearly 100 million COVID vaccine recipients. And what it revealed was a host of adverse events. So the, just to set it up, um, 100 million, uh, 99 million people, it was across multiple countries, Argentina, Australia, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, New Zealand, and I believe Scotland was the, was the eighth. 
and uh, basically it was peer-reviewed. It was an observational cohort study. It was published in the Vaccine Journal on February 12th, I believe, and it aimed to evaluate the risk of 13 adverse events of special interest and the, it spanned across three categories, neurological, hematological, and cardiovascular. And uh, it looked at Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca. And the researchers found uh, higher-than-expected cases that they deemed to met the threshold to be potentially safety signals for multiple adverse reactions, including cerebral venous um, thrombosis, myocarditis, pericarditis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, so it, it, there was just a whole host of things. I, I think when you look back, this is, again, three or four years later, but when you think back, Jack, to the original um, warp speed and when they originally introduced the vaccine, they were talking about being safe and effective. That was Pfizer's own term. The government adopted that term. Mm-hmm. It, was neither, it was never really safe nor effective, but yet that was the marketing, and there was a huge push, and you, you remember all of all of the, the information that came out, you have to do it to, to stop transmission. You have to, even the president at the time said, you know, get vaccinated, um, just get vaccinated. He, he said it multiple times, you're going to save grandma. You're going to, the pandemic's going to be over. The pandemic was blamed on the unvaccinated. Yeah. All that was untrue. Now we look in, in modern day and we see that study, but there was other studies. There was just a study uh, that came out on February 15th. It was conducted in the Nordic nations and it concluded that the booster vaccination against COVID is linked to higher risk of heart inflammation among adolescents. So the study noted that the association of myocarditis appeared to be strongest in male adolescents and younger males after the second dose. There was a separate January right. 27th study, Jack, that uh, considerable body of evidence suggests a correlation and even a causation between mRNA boosters and adverse effects on the immune system. So I want to ask you this, Joe Matteris, Chairman of Medicus uh, Health, is the media and how they covered all this at the time, and I was doing my show during and asking questions, but the media bias or lack of willingness to interview some people in the medical community who were seeing and hearing from patients some side effects, but it was all shot down, and if you raised the question, you were kind of like, you know, treated like you, you know, you were put off the reservation or, you know, called crazy if you asked a question about rapid heart rate in young people. I know three or four young people for a year or two now have been dealing with this. They went to the best doctors in Boston and southern New Hampshire, and the doctors said the only thing we can tell you is probably related to the COVID vaccine. Uh, There's a spike protein in there causing this. It will go away in time. And yet doctors don't come out and publicly talk about that. So, why was there such a bias to raise, to answer some legitimate questions if the whole thing was supposedly about improving people's health? Well, let me, let me start by just telling a little story. I had the fortune to uh, meet Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And um, RFK uh, shared a story with me that I thought is interesting and applicable here. So he, he became very good friends with Roger Ailes. They did a project together in Africa regarding clean water, mm-hmm. and they became friends. And Roger invited, now, for people who don't know, Roger was the one who started Fox News, yeah. uh, and so he was a major figure in, in, in that network's uh, evolution to where, where it got to. So he, he, he had said to RFK, he says, you know, Bobby, why don't you come on the show? And back then, Fox was considered, you know, fair and balanced. That, that was sort of their, yeah. their yeah. marketing logo. And so what ended up happening was he, he went on and he was going on on a regular basis, but he was, he was basically talking about environmental issues. 
because he is an environmental lawyer. Well, one, one point in time, I think it might have been on either Hannity or Bill O'Reilly, I think it was on Bill O'Reilly, RFK um, in the news was heavy metals in the vaccines and whether it was linked to autism. And, you know, no, no one knows for sure, but there's contributing factors. The vaccine could, could be potentially one of them. And so um, RFK, they had that little conversation. RFK said, I, I hung up the phone. Roger called me literally within two minutes. And he said, Bobby, when you go on Fox News, do never talk about the vaccines and adverse events about vaccines because they, they make up 75% of our, our nighttime advertising budget. They, they, they contribute 75% of it. Yeah, Pfizer and so, Moderna. Yeah. Pfizer and Moderna, absolutely. No question. So, so you're saying a lot of this was really followed about money? Well, I think that's I think that's probably the biggest piece of it. And really, when you think about Fauci and the NIAID, and you think about the funding and how where the funding goes, it it, it really does come back to money. It seems trite, but it, there's really a lot of evidence. Um, look at colleges, Jack. You know, I, I looked at Yale University as an example, and they were requiring the vaccine all the way to mm-hmm. the end. And I wondered why they would do something like that. And so I ended up doing a little bit of research. And what I found, you know, over the last decade or so is that Yale has received um, just under $10 billion of, of money funded by either the HHS Health and Human Services or by the NIAID in research funding. So when you, when you compare the billions they're getting from the government to the to the hundreds of millions they get every year from tuition, you then have to say, well, who, who is their real constituency? Who are they really trying to please? It's certainly not the students. And so that, there's a lot of inertia. Right. And that, that, that was also true in medicine with doctors. Right. Doctors have really become captured by the hospital system and the whole reimbursement infrastructure well, look and at, hospitals were very clear to doctors to say, listen, you know, this, you know, do not, this is what the game plan is. Go execute that. And, and, and don't, that's and really don't ask, against and, what doctors do. And don't ask questions. And, and obviously during the whole oxy oxy period, they were told the same thing. It don't, don't worry about it being addictive. Hey, let me ask you this, Joe Matteris, before we take a quick break, is a lot of the COVID stuff in the rear view mirror or can it happen again? I think it can happen again. And I, I think it can happen again. The thing to me that was fascinating is that when people are fearful, they, they lose their cognitive ability. And, and you saw this very clearly. I mean, yeah. masks were, were the, almost the best example. We, we knew masks didn't work. There were plenty of studies prior. Anthony Fauci came out and said masks don't work. And then two weeks later, he says, oh, no, masks work. And then when you then, but in the application of masks, Think about how absurd it was. You walk into a, a restaurant with a mask on, then you take it off at three hours and eat. You're on an airplane, and you, know, you have the mask on, you take it off at 20, 30 minutes to, to eat, drink, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or how about six feet? So are you trying to tell me, Jack, if you and I were six yeah. feet apart and I leaned yeah, in yeah, so yeah. I'm five feet, eight inches, now all of a sudden that's dangerous? If I lean back at six feet, that's safe? I mean, it's absurd, right? Or I was watching, or in the states that opened up earlier, I was watching like in the fall when I was going to a big-time a big time college football game with 90,000 fans there in attendance, no one wearing a mask. And in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, I go out to Hannaford and everyone's wearing a mask in Hannaford six feet apart, same day, same hour. Joe, hold the thought. When we come back, Joe Matarisi on the Medica side of things, we're talking healthcare on what we've learned about looking back 
but also had an interesting conversation recently with Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor. And by the way, <clears throat> the Florida Surgeon General, the main health care official in Florida, has been one of the leading advocates against the vaccinations in the last year or two. We'll talk to him about his conversation with the Florida governor, what he may or may not intend to do. Back with Good Morning New Hampshire. Stay, stay with us, Joe, just a moment. Joe Matarisi, um, I, I just want to wrap up. Joe is chairman of Medicus, which is in Wyndham. He can tell you how to look up that or himself, but he's hosted some pretty big regional or national healthcare symposiums. He's been in the healthcare field, I think, probably uh, uh, the better part of a couple decades, uh, and maybe at least. But he's uh, a tad contrarian, which I like, because that's how I am. I question things. I don't get spoon-fed a lot of stuff. And unlike a lot of people, I'm not running for president. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. isn't as independent. A lot of people say he's out there, he's crazy, and all that stuff. He might actually impact the presidential outcome more than people know. But um, I was doing a rate. I did my show, this show, on an earlier time slot on a different network during the entire COVID stuff. Before the pandemic was known almost, the governor came in and talked about what the states were being told when the hospitals ramped up and the extra spillover area. We were preparing for World War Three or Four. it felt like right on through the remote learning that lasted too long, and I raised questions throughout the whole process because none of it made sense to me. Not a damn part of it made sense to yours truly, including, I'm sorry, I'm giving you my pet peeves, Joe, how Walmart, Target, Home Depot, and Lowe's, no disrespect, Target, all those could stay open on, you know, could open up, but the little store on Main Street with very little traffic could not open. Um, You know, the, 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 the duct tape in the supermarket aisles on which way to go, uh, the the push for this, uh, the remote learning where young people needed to be in school and they were kept out, the whole thing, and I just looked at Moderna and Pfizer advertising, making billions and billions and billions of dollars, but that's just me. Joe, welcome back. Interesting stuff. Actually, Jack, they didn't even have to advertise. They had an installed base. I mean, the, yeah. the, the government bought billions of dollars worth of the vaccines. So uh, all that, I think all what you're saying is true, and I think, um, it's, it's really actually unfortunate. And I, I do give you credit, though, uh, when you had this governor here, the, the current governor here in New Hampshire on a couple of months ago, uh, the topic came up and, and he was quick to, to, to point out that he didn't um, lock the state down and you would quickly to correct him and then cite all the executive orders. And I was actually happy you did that. Probably he wasn't too happy, probably a little <laughs> embarrassed there. But but I think that's what your job is. You know, the, the, your job isn't to lo- lob softball questions. It's to it's to really make sure that we remember history and we record history properly. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of revisionist history. So congratulations to you. But unfortunately, when you go to the mainstream media, the national mainstream media, you just don't see that. In fact, even this characterization of RFK as being crazy, RFK is, is, is a very, very smart man. He's very, very accomplished. He's won many lawsuits and, and you know, fighting companies who are polluting our, our country. And he, he's, he's really a solid human being. Now, we can disagree on the politics, but to, to, to categorize him as crazy, it's the same thing they do with Javier Mille over in Argentina, who, you know, they say he's a far right, he's, he's like Donald Trump. I mean, all of these characterizations are incorrect. I mean, the only thing he and Donald Trump maybe have in common is they have crazy hair. That's about it. I mean, well, their the, policies are the complete opposite. I, I, just, so, I just have to chuckle yeah. on how easily Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is just discarded. 
like just so many people, even in the Democrat side, especially the Democrat, view him as just crazy. I think it's because he's a threat. But, Joe, what about Ron DeSantis? Because he was very outspoken as the Florida governor during this period. He did what a lot of states did, and then he did his own research, talked to people in the medical community, and then he reversed, opened things up. In fact, the new president, the current president, called the Southern governors, quote-unquote, Neanderthals, because they opened up the state earlier than anyone else. DeSantis sort of saw the light early on, and the national media bashed him for it, and he was right. Well, I know. Well, that's the problem. I mean, I think that's the, the problem. The media, we've lost the media in this country. And I, I think America is waking up to this. I, I noticed the other day CNN, uh, their basically ratings are lower now than the History Channel on their nightly, on their nightly segments. Yep, yep. So that sort of tells you what's going on. So, and, and guess what? The Internet has really been a godsend on, 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 in this regard because if you, if you really want to learn about a topic, you could do your own research and you could find independent journalists who have research, whether it's in medical, Dell Bigtree is a good example, Dr. Peter McCullough, who you had on your program. You know, they have podcasts, and you can, you can listen to these podcasts, and you can really dig in. And one of the things that RFK, it's remarkable, quite frankly, because he's polling in the 20%-ish. I mean, he legitimately, if we get closer to the election, and he's in the high 20s, he has a legitimate chance to, to really win this. And this is in the, because remember, the media has ignored him by and large. So oh, people are only hearing yeah. about him yeah. Yeah. through their own social media. And they're, they're listening to Megyn Kelly or they're listening to Joe Rogan. And he's on these programs. Millions of people are listening. And they actually like what he has to say. And so he's getting some decent traction. Now, what about Ron DeSantis? You had a discussion with him. Can you share what his thoughts are, why he dropped out, what his thinking going forward? Yeah, so what he told me was that, um, well, first off, he did appreciate uh, the people in New Hampshire. He thought they were very gracious. He spent a bit of time here. Um, but what, what became clear is that when he, he needed a better showing in Iowa, and he thought that he would get a better showing in Iowa, uh, but he, it didn't come to fruition. And so once he realized that, he did what he always does, right, which is the right thing. And he knew it, he didn't have a pathway in, unlike Nikki Haley, who, you know, could, and Chris Christie, I mean, they're taking PAC money, they're taking money from donors, and they're really wasting time. This guy understood that, and, he, and immediately he knew, I don't have a chance, there's no pathway, I'm out. I'm not going to be raising any more money. I'm not going to take anybody's money anymore. I'm done. And, and I think that was admirable, and it was the right decision because he knew he couldn't win. The reality was such where Trump is way ahead in the polls, and, and he's going to be the, the nominee. It's, it's almost for certain. Yeah, interesting. Always interesting, Joe. Great stuff. Eye-opening. Joe Matarisi, Medicus. Best, uh, best way to contact or learn more about Medicus or what you're doing on any other healthcare symposiums coming up? Yeah, sure. They can always go to the website, medicushcs.com, and uh, they can learn about what the company's doing. You can follow us on X and, and all the other social media uh, that's out there, uh, pretty active. The company is doing great. I, I think we're one of the largest companies now in southern New Hampshire. And um, it really is a quite, quite a service at this point because there's a massive doctor shortage, patient care is being impacted. So we're, we're taking on that challenge every single day All to right. try to solve it. Joe Matarisi, thank you so much, Joe. Interesting Thanks, stuff. Jeff. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Aaron Neal. 
NBC News Radio national correspondent joining us with a quick look live. Good morning, Aaron, on food prices. Now, let's not do the let's not do the happy dance yet. I have noticed when I went the other day, I actually got a small roast chicken over the weekend, and it was about two or three dollars less than it was maybe ten months ago. But still, I'm not sensing cheap food prices. But maybe, maybe they're coming down. You're right. That's exactly what we're seeing. Like, this isn't time for street. What we're seeing is they're rising less quickly than they have food prices. So for seven straight quarters, we were looking at double-digit percentage increases. I'm talking 15% increase on that bag of chips. What we're seeing now is a return to normal pricing. This is according to earnings calls from all the major CEOs of food groups, whether it be Walmart, Coca-Cola, Mondelisa, Kellogg's, the list goes on and on. But what they say is they're going to return to normal pricing levels. That is around a 2 to 3% increase annually. It's not coming down. It's just not going up as fast. Interesting. Well, again, I know the, the problem is we've had a couple years of this. The, the worst mm-hmm. inflation in a half a century, and it's still there. It, it's like a migraine headache. It might not be a 10, but it still feels like it's a 6. That's such a great way to describe it. And, right. and really, the only way you can kind of combat this, anyone who's been on this earth for 30 years plus knows this from experience, the best you can hope for is wage growth because the prices really yep. do not come back down. All right. Thank you, Aaron Real, Missy News Radio National Correspondent Live. Good morning, Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Brad Carr joining us on a Wednesday morning. Good morning, Brad. Hey, Jack. Well, we had some analysis earlier. It doesn't, the road doesn't look too great for Nikki Haley in her home state this weekend in the primary there. Press conference yesterday telling voters, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not dropping out. If you vote for me, it's not a waste. That's kind of a tough message going into a primary and her cash on hand situation. So take it. Does this feel like well, it's a big Trump win or not? Well, you know, picking up on one of the things you were just talking about, Jack, you know, Donald Trump does a town hall meeting in Fox. Does it? And Aaron, Aaron Ingram, just it, that, that is just so biased. Where the 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 station is, is totally, you know, walking hand in hand with the candidate, and that and and that's with Fox. You see, it with Sean Hannity and him. And the question is, I think that I think you raised a good point on it. It's where are the lines for people that are giving us quote unquote news? Right? Uh, are they? Are they actually advocates, or are they just reporting the news? And we see it with Sean Hannity's town halls. And, and, and in fairness, they're on the Democrat side, too. You see real softball uh, interviews by certain CNN or certainly MSNBC people. And uh, you have people like Joe Scarborough on the left right now as well touting it. And, and I think that's a problem. I do think that's a problem moving forward because people, especially, I hate to say it, elderly folks sit at home and they watch cable news all day long. And they pick their teams. You know, they got MSNBC on, or they got CNN on, or they have Fox on. And they proceed to recite it. My mother-in-law, before she passed away, would watch TV all day, and I would hear it as well. So, anyway, that's an issue. Uh, As it goes to South Carolina, I think Nikki Haley is staying in because, quite frankly, Donald Trump's legal problems are so massive. And they are real. And he's not a victim, like he's claiming what Navalny was, um, where he was murdered by the Russian government, by Putin. Um, Donald Trump's not a victim here. The, these crimes that he's been alleged to have had and, and, and the ones that he's already been found guilty of, um, it, it, it's, it, it's troubling. 
And, and at some point in time, I think Nikki Haley's hoping that people wake up to it. It doesn't appear that way. He is making himself to be the victim, um, and, and people are buying in on it. And I think Donald Trump continues to do this in part because they're paying his legal fees, and they're paying his fines. Well, a lot of different um, things there, but what, what, this weekend, a uh, 20, 25-point win for Trump, and what does that do to the race? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think it's going to do too much. I mean, look, he's going to rack up delegates. Um, and Nikki but Haley's is the wind going to be is the wind going to be bigger than New Hampshire per capita, or not? You know, I, I I don't live South Carolina, and I I don't I don't know, I don't I, I talked to some folks in South Carolina, a former chief of staff for Nikki Haley, whom I know and I, I I correspond with pretty regularly. You know, he thinks Nikki's doing a little better than that, but it, it wouldn't surprise me given the polling. Um, and quite frankly, all the elected officials, you see, you've seen a big turnaround with Lindsey Graham, where he was a huge defense hawk, someone super supportive of Ukraine early on. Now, um, kind of taking his foot off of that pedal in part because right. because Donald Trump uh, doesn't want it there. But so you, you see that this, the odds are stacked against Nikki Haley, certainly. And, and I, I think that Donald Trump's going to have a convincing win there. Let me ask you this, and we'll come back to that, but you, you mentioned some things, and I'm not going to defend or debate each point, but, you know, some critical points on Trump, but yet he rolls through these primaries. It seems like it's inevitable he's going to wrap up the Republican nomination. So what's your reaction to this New York City, the New York State, the civil fraud case, the penalty against Trump, because he takes that verdict, even though it could be crushing financially, the Attorney General Gonna, they, they talk about freezing assets if he doesn't to pay that $355 million until the appeal. Um, but they went after his business. It was civil fraud, no criminal charges. But he goes on the campaign trail, and he and he scores points with that. So was that trial legit or not in your mind? Yeah, I, I think it's legit. I mean, Donald Trump's had a lot of bankruptcies. He's had a lot of misrepresentations about his net worth. So he's and the only he's make, the only big business entrepreneur that that's happened to. No, not at all, Jack. But to the I think he's done it more than others, certainly, and and for longer periods of times. Um, I and, and I believe but that. He, but, but did he break any laws criminally? Well, well, if you're making misrepresentations to a bank, when I I would argue that they that those are those are. Those are criminal wrongdoings. Well, I, I, mean, I know, but um, if you you have a private business, if you went to a bank and you said, "I, I have I, to pay my taxes on time," and I can't, yeah. I can't make misrepresentations to the to a bank. Well, if you well, make Hunter, mortgage, Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden seems to be able to do what he wants with taxes. Well, I well, I think Hunter Biden is under indictment and being prosecuted. So uh, I, I, maybe that's not a factual statement that you said right there because he, he he is under indictment and and it looks like he's in deep trouble. No, I'm just um, saying, I mean, I'm looking at this New York case, and I think this one played into it's going to hurt Trump financially, but in the long run it helps him because he goes to anyone out there and he says, look, if they could come after you, they could come after your businesses. Well, and that's and that's what his defense is. But you know, it, 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 they're not, and it's not true. Look, if the guy was found civilly liable on sexual abuse of a woman where he was accused of doing what he says he does, what he's on tape saying he does, and, 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 and he was found guilty by a jury and... And, and he was found liable for it. 
And then he continued to defame her, which is what he does. He, he goes out into, mm-hmm. and, and pontificates and says, and that plays well to the base. I am telling you, he's a master communicator. There's no question well, about it. I was going to say, the if all these... actually lies, Jack, all the time. If, if all these things are legit... you know he lies all the time. I know, but, but if all these things... They're immune to it now. If all these things are legit, how is he going to roll into South Carolina and rack up a big win? If all these things are legit, why, well, are, voters, are, legit, why are voters voting for him? Look, look at the Christian conservative support that he has. But if you take a look at Christian values and where he's been, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, with the multiple divorces that he's had, the affairs with a woman, what he's paying hush money for, and, and allegations of using campaign funds, I don't think people like that. Um, but, 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 but he you is talking about John Edwards? Right. But let me just call you out on one thing, Jack. I, I, I agree. What Edwards did was terrible and it ruined his political career. But, but what I would also say is that Two wrongs don't make a right, Jack, and you always have a tendency to point the finger at somebody else and say, well, what about what they did? I'm just, well, I'm just putting did? yourself it's in the like average person. Parent, I'm just, you can't parent your children that way, Jack. No, but I'm, your kids grow up to be idiots. I'm pointing out what the average person out there, when they look at all this from 1,000 feet away, 1,000 miles away, saying, okay, look it. I just saw a few weeks ago that Biden mishandled secret documents, but they're not going to charge him because he's a nice elderly man and he's too forgetful. But they charge Trump. They charge but Trump. But don't stop there, Jack. Wait no, hold on, hold on, hold on. They charge. No, 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 no. I have to stop you there because your premise is false. What do you mean? The premise is because they both had documents, they should be charged. What it is actually, what happens as a result of that, and your culpability in that matters. And when so, when Joe Biden and when Mike Pence they come in to the FBI, search my home. Take any documents out of that you find. Right. Search these areas that are under question. And Donald Trump didn't do that, Jack. That's the huge distinction. In but fact, Donald Trump allegedly did, tried to destroy did, videotapes did, that showed him moving these objects. But did Trump, but that, that, that's did Trump knowingly? Issue. Did the Trump know? Hold on, hold on. Did, did Trump knowingly hand over secret classified documents to a biographer for his memoir in 2017? Isn't that wrong? It, it, it's Jack. It's wrong. Don't get me. I'm not defending Joe Biden. I'm no Joe Biden fan. I know I'm your point. Two wrongs, two wrongs. I don't support Joe Biden. Two wrongs don't make a right. But I want to come back to this trial but in Jack, New York I City. Want to go back. Listen to this a second. So go through the list of people. So the people that everybody, Donald Trump is holier than now. Done nothing wrong. Yet Mike Pence, Bill Barr, James Mattis, Mark Esper, Mark Milley, Rex Tillerson, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie. The list goes on and on of people yep. who work for him. John Kelly, Mick Mulvaney, all these people, Betsy DeVos, they don't support Donald Trump now. And they don't support him for reasons that he's wrong. These are his people that he personally chose to serve in his cabinet and to be his inner counsel. Right. But now they're all wrong. They're all the bad guys. I'm not saying... I'm because not saying... Donald, Trump, Donald Trump says whatever he says, but he... even though when you know he's knowingly lying, you're not calling him out. Well, hold on. When, when, when Chris Sununu... Sitting governor of New Hampshire put in a lot of time, went to, went out there, took the gloves off, said everything you just said about Donald Trump. Sitting governor endorses Nikki Haley. Everything in New Hampshire he said about Donald Trump. Can't win a general election. He called him all these things, you know, questioned his credibility, lying, said all these things, and yet Trump crushed, you know, wins the New Hampshire yes. primary. And Trump is, Trump, how, Trump so is how, a master at doing that. In New Hampshire, in New Hampshire, with so many independent voters, how is it that Sununu was wrong and Trump was right, even if Sununu was right? See what I'm saying? I don't know, but Sununu is right. Sununu, just because just because you're right doesn't mean that people are going to agree with you and doesn't mean that people want to listen to you. Look, at, at the end of the day, they want to listen to Donald Trump. I, I, I fully acknowledge that. Donald Trump 
is getting away with things that no other person in the world could get away with. I can't figure it out. I, I don't like it. I don't know why it's so. But he has made himself to be the victim, and, and it's selling. He has changed people on Capitol Hill who have been decent, honorable people who knowingly make false representations now regularly to defend Donald Trump, and they know that they're false because they play to his base. So we have a whole lot of lies being told at the behest of Donald Trump, but it is okay now. I don't understand it, but it's the reality. Donald Trump gets away with things that no other person can get away with, and I agree with that. I don't like it, but it's a fact. Now, do you think um, if Nikki Haley does not do well, better than New Hampshire's percentage, which was about 11 or 12 points, if, 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 if Trump really, really clobbers Nikki Haley in, in terms of winning South Carolina, how much longer does Nikki Haley stay in this thing? It sounds like she's staying in, Jack. You, you know, because you know, we've talked about this yeah. both publicly and privately. I've talked about it. Where I, thought, I wish Nikki Haley had gotten out before South Carolina and didn't take a beating in her own state because I think that she has a future in politics. I think she's young. I think she's got some great ideas. I think that she could be a very viable presidential candidate. But I think that the, the, the right base of our party, of my party, um, doesn't is just totally in, embedded with Donald Trump right now. So I think it's going to hurt Nikki Haley politically long term. But so I had said right after the New Hampshire primary that I think Nikki Haley's going to have to look at things. And if she can't see a viable path for herself in South Carolina, right. I thought she should get out. But it's not because her message isn't right or because it's, what she's saying is wrong. I think she happens to be right. And I agree with the majority of her positions. I don't agree with every position, but I agree with the overwhelming majority of her positions. I disagree with Donald Trump vehemently on his stance on Ukraine, uh, a thousand percent. And I disagree with right. him on his stance of do nothing right now on the southwest border. Um, and that that to me is very troubling because he likes it as a political issue. Right. So those are issues that I disagree with him on. But I, I wish Nikki Haley, uh, I, I think she's got a very important voice in right. the party. And run. I think that she could live to fight another day. Great radio. Thanks, Brad. Brad Card we'll live in Washington. Brad Card, Card and Associates. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio, National Correspondent. A couple big, big business deals you're taking a look at, Rory. I don't know if it for yourself, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, well, two of them. One is the Walmart Vizio TV purchase. And why would Walmart buy a TV company, right? Well, perhaps this is Walmart's entry into the streaming business to be more like that other retail giant, Amazon. Uh, and look, you know, these days... Many people have dropped the cable business or the cable cord. So when you turn on your TV, you're oftentimes bombarded with ads already, and you haven't even gotten to a channel yet. And that's part of the ad space that Walmart wants to be able to capitalize as it expands likely uh, into a streaming service. Maybe it buys one of the streaming services already out there, and perhaps because of its pricing power, it can offer some lower prices to attract more consumers. The other issue or the other big deal that announced this week Capital One buying Discover. That's a $35 billion deal, all stock, but it really does create this whole ecosystem for Capital One because they have the bank resources, they have the customers, they have about 10% of the Visa and MasterCard charges that happen every week, but instead now they can put it on their own Discover network and save all those fees that Capital One was paying to Visa and MasterCard, and that's about a half billion dollars a year. 
Interesting, yeah. And a couple big ones we'll see on the credit card side as well as that TV thing. And, of course, Rory, it's hard to believe because in our generation, just television, you made a very good point. The TVs are devices now. They're basically computers like our cars, you know, parts of our – you can watch anything. You, you bring it right. home. You can have Wi-Fi. You can have streaming. You can have this or that. It's no longer just you got to plug that cable in and pay this much each month for this or that. So it's all changing. It really is amazing. It's just a screen. Whichever screens are everywhere, right? Whether it's a phone screen, a tablet yep. screen, or the t- big TV screen, they're all just screens and a way to get advertising in front of your eyes. All right, Rory, good stuff. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. Thanks, Jack. Rob Carson coming up at noon. It's been a while, buddy. Rob Carson, of course, the show on our network of news talk stations, the Pulse of an H, the Rob Carson Show. Good, uh, good day, Rob. How are you? You know what? Uh, if failure, and I do believe that failure teaches you more than uh, than victory, and in that case, I've got a Ph.D. I mean, <laughs> I am so smart with failure. It's ridiculous. I'm the smartest failure you'll ever know, Jack. How have you been? It's been a while. <laughs> Uh, you know what, buddy? Uh, unbelievable busy, and, and I apologize for uh, my absence. We've had some stuff going on uh, that have kind of, you know, I've had to focus a little bit more on family and whatnot, but uh, but things are, are great. The show is rocking. We just debuted another song yesterday, a New York City uh, trucker's boycott song to Convoy, and uh, put the video up online just a few minutes ago, so... Uh, so that's good. Things are going on all cylinders. How's things in New Hampshire? Well, you know, calm down a little bit after the primary, and I'm yep. watching South Carolina, and I'm, I'm noticing some similarities, but I'm actually sensing something else, and I'm wondering if you agree. I, okay. I had said to you before New Hampshire, I thought it would be tighter than the polls going in because it had Trump at, you know, like 20 or more, and it ended up being 11 yep. or 12. But South yep. Carolina, it is feeling like that the Trump lead might be closer to 30 points than 20 points over Nikki Haley. It just feels like that that one almost feels stronger going into just a few days from now than New Hampshire. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with her uh, picking up the talking points of the left. Um, I think that, that she's been a major disappointment. She's obviously uh, completely down with the Ukrainian funding. Uh, also, she's saying things like Donald Trump is... Uh, has dementia, or she's hinting it, which is absurd, uh, uh, you know, and, and then she's whipping out the woman card, you know. Uh, the next president's going to be a woman, either me or Kamala. And I'm like, really? Nobody cares about your genitalia. Um, I, think she's really dis- dis- I think she's really distancing herself from Trump voters. She will never have them. Uh, you know, I think she's, she's hoping that Donald Trump will get, uh, you know, convicted of at least one count, and, and to me, that says that she puts herself ahead of country if she's not willing to stand up for a, a conservative Republican who is obviously being persecuted uh, with four political indictments. The evidence is all you need to know. There's everything out there. There's collaboration with the White House. And that she would put her campaign ahead of uh, this at this time, um, you know, forgetting the fact that she could eventually be in the crosshairs of the Democrat Party really shows that she's just in it for herself and uh, in the um, the radical, I think, Democrat donors who are funding her campaign right now. Well, tell us how you really feel. OK, let's talk about Joe. <laughs> Rob Carson, let's talk about Joe Biden. Um, no one's going to take Biden out, even if he doesn't know where he is or what stairs he's going up or down. And, and it just seems that like this is Biden-Trump again. Is this, is this inevitable? 
I have said for the last three years he wouldn't be the candidate. Joe Biden wouldn't be the candidate. I stand by that. Who will be uh, in your mind? Oh, hell. You know, I have no idea. I don't think evil. So, you know, I can't come up with scenarios. I'm not a Democrat. I can't. I'm not <laughs> conniving. I'm not conniving and evil. I can't put my head in there. You know, I can't put their, their mindset in my brain because they do so much awful uh, as far as politics are concerned. How do you uh, really feel, Ron? Well, you know, listen, I, I unfortunately don't have a humble opinion like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, I, what what could happen here? I, a lot of things could happen, but I mean, I, what, I, I just don't see this. I, I mean, I'm looking at Joe Biden. I know they want to overlook it. I know they want to say, don't worry if he misspeaks or he forgets where he is or what he's doing. It's okay. Raising a ton of money. Don't worry about it. Nothing to see here. He'll beat Trump in a general election. That's what they, it feels like their game plan is. But I, I don't think that's the case anymore. He won't win the general election. He's nine points down in the national poll. Eighty-nine percent of the American people don't think his brain is fit to be the president of the United States. Everybody is acting like the emperor isn't naked. They're looking at his lovely garments, and nobody's buying it. It's a joke. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi will probably uh, coronate Satan as uh, the president of the United States. I have no idea. Um, you know, they keep talking about Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is a joke. Uh, is that California is going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, day by day, as Chinese immigrants and Syrians come across their southern border, uh, and they're promising health care to 700,000 right. illegals. Uh, he, he, is, he is no more desirable. Michelle Obama is a spoiled brat who's never done anything in her life but write books and win Emmys for reading those books out loud. Um, and, and she's not given a damn about the black what? community. The butt is off the rose with the Democrat Party and the black community. The Democrat Party has left the black community. I like to say the Democrat Party broke up with you, and you didn't even know it. You didn't get a note. Oh, you yeah. didn't get a text or anything. Rob Carson, the Rob Carson, before we let you go, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is with another guest on the show talking about this earlier. Running as yeah. an independent. He could be on yeah. states like New Hampshire if he has enough signatures, which I think he does. Only four electoral college votes, but if the race is tight, it could be an important state. Is he, he going to play more as an independent candidate, factoring in on who becomes the next president or not? I think more Democrats are going to go to Kennedy than Republicans, to be quite honest. I think some Republicans are going to go to Kennedy who think they're never Trumpers, possibly, or they won't vote at all. Um, I like Robert Kennedy uh, with regard to his um, truth-telling about COVID and whatnot, um, and his he has suffered relentless uh, attacks because of that. Um, I don't think he's a viable candidate for president. I think he's too extreme on a bunch of issues, including the environment, which nobody is buying now either. Green Energy has done a face plant. Uh, I would love to see him put in charge of investigating um, the uh, you know censorship industrial complex or the COVID cover-up. Uh, of course he's going to play, but I don't think he's going to be a major player. I don't think it will impact Trump. Um, and listen, it's, this is not just about being a Trump supporter. I'm talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a candidate. He's never he's not been a candidate since he declared he's been a movement. And now, by arresting him, by this latest ruling out of New York City, uh, they made him into a folk hero. So nobody's going to leave Trump. Nobody's going to vote for Nikki Haley if, by hook or by crook, somehow she becomes the candidate and Trump is, uh, you know, convicted or whatever they decide. They're not going to vote for her. Um, you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, as far as Biden, I don't see when you look at the fact that he stumbled up, 
his short stairs. Yeah. He's got a Secret Service agent taking him to the base of the stairs. He went to a brewery two weeks ago and couldn't speak. He's talking to dead people. Uh, you know, he. I don't think he's going to be the candidate. And I think he will be replaced somehow at the convention. I think that uh, the, the convention in Chicago this year will make 1968 look like a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. You know, this is a abstract question. Last one, I'll let you go. But maybe yeah. it's because I spend a little too much time on foreign policy in my past, and I, I did have the blessing as a civilian to go to the U.S. Army War College National Security Seminar in a summer, number of summers ago, and I met yep. some of the military. And some of these uh, four stars, whether they're you know generals or uh, about to be generals, pretty smart people, uh, they're not perfect, but they're smart. How can someone in a situation room at the White House, if they're deciding to strike, for example, hypothetically, uh, an Iranian-backed site in Syria, and you're sitting there with the president, national security advisor, chief of staff, maybe the vice president, you got the whole team there. How can a joint chief, a chairman of the Joint Chiefs or someone who's taken the same oath to defend the Constitution look at the president and say, Mr. President, are you fully aware of what we're doing? Do you remember the last strikes we made a few weeks ago? And can you tell me where this country is? And if you can't answer those questions... How can some member at that table, they may, they take an oath, not say we have a problem here with the 25th Amendment, we need to bring in the Attorney General because the President is not making decisions. I, I really worry about I know that sounds crazy, but I don't think it's that far-fetched. I don't think he's made a decision uh, in his entire presidency thus far. I think there's a reason why he takes 39% of his time on vacation, because he goes to Rehoboth. He goes to other places where he can... Yeah, he but can in fairness, off. presidents take vacations. I'm talking about when you read that special... Hold on. When you read the special counsel's report on the documents, and he said he's a nice elderly man, very forgetful memory, did not remember... I read the text. Did not remember the years he was vice president. Rob, if yeah. I asked you the year you started your show with Newsmax, or when you worked in this business or that, or when you worked for Rush Limbaugh, you're probably going to be able to tell me the decade, right? Yes, but I'm telling you, 39% of the time he does work off the books. I don't believe he's calling the shots. I don't believe he's calling anything. Uh, as far as uh, the military, I think they've been infested by people like uh, uh, General Milley and whatnot, although he is retired, who are either yes-men or are, uh, are internationalists. Yeah. Uh, do, do not have the best heart of the, the best um, the, the, the constitution in mind, to be quite honest. I hope it's not yeah. true, but anyway. All right, Rob, have a great show. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Just let us know how you really feel.